Shall we pray? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for your kindness towards us. We thank you for your generosity. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for the blood. We thank you for angelic assistance. We thank you for your word that instructs us, that inspires, that gives us hope, that directs us. We thank you for the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We thank you that you can call you our Father. And most importantly, we thank you that you call us your children. We pray that may Christ alone be exalted in our discussion tonight. In the name of our Lord Jesus, amen and amen. Uh, we thank God for another 24 hours that he has given to us to work the works of him who gave it to us because we are not ignorant of the truth that their time would come when we would from our labors rest. So while we still have the opportunity, we are believing God for more strength, more grace, more wisdom to keep on working. So tonight we are looking at, we are continuing our statement, our series titled Strange Statements of Jesus. Very strange statements of Jesus. And this is a time we are judging our lives by the statements Jesus said. And we, we looked at the fact that Jesus right from Luke chapter 4 following, Jesus was making certain statements and we, we emphasize on the fact that faith is not just what we need for our healing, what we need for that job, what we need for that breakthrough, but from Jesus' encounter with Peter, Peter said that because you have said so, we will do so. This after Peter had been fishing all night and had caught nothing. But when Jesus said that, cast your net at the other side, he said, just because Jesus said so, we will do it. So. These are statements that are very uncomfortable for us to do. And last week, we saw how strange these statements are. But as people who have expressed faith in Jesus, we are simply saying that because Jesus had said so, we would make every effort to do it. Let's look at something Jesus said in Luke chapter 8, verse number 21. Luke chapter 8, verse number 21. And I read the words of Jesus himself. He says, so this was when... Um, let's start from the verse 19 just to get the context. Now, Jesus' mother and his brothers came to him, but they were unable to get near him because of the crowd. Someone told him, your mother and your brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. Now, look at the reply of Jesus in the verse 21. It says, my mother and my brothers are those who hear God's word and put it to practice. My mother and my brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. So Jesus is giving us his definition for those he considers his relatives. So he's saying that a relative is not someone who engages in religious activities per se, but a relative is someone who can hear the word of God. And when you hear it, you put it into practice. You put 
all his words into practice. That is why we are not just focusing on the words that Jesus gives that says, pick up your mat and, and, and you are healed. That says, go and show yourself to the to the priest. We are not just looking at the healing words of Jesus or the breakthrough words of Jesus or the miraculous words of Jesus, but what Jesus has to say about our everyday living. And last week, we took a perusal on some strange words. And just to add up to last week's only we look at what God has for us tonight is in Matthew chapter 5 verse 23 and this is one scripture I have not seen being fulfilled in my lifetime including in my life <laughs> and this one scripture that I, I'm, I'm believing I don't want to be in that situation I'm sure I've been in that situation before but it is as clear as it can be and as we did last week I wouldn't want to give any explanation or too much explanation to into the statements. The statements I want to expose you to and I want you in the genuineness of your heart to think through the statements and apply what the statement means to you. So it goes, it says, Therefore, if thou bringest thy gift to the altar and there remembers that thy brother had ought against thee, leave thy gift before the altar and go thy way first be reconciled to thy brother then come and offer thy gifts let me read it in the niv version just to um, help those <laughs> who think that these are not the words of jesus it goes like this in the niv therefore if you are offering your gift at the altar if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember so when Maybe they say, oh, bring a seed or whatever gift you want to bring to God. And in your process of going through your prayers or walking towards the altar, you remember that your brother or your sister has something against you. I find this very, very strange. Not that you have something against your brother, but your brother or your sister has something against you. So maybe somebody misinterpreted an action of yours. And a person is angry at you, bitter at you, offended at you. He has something against you. You felt like you didn't speak to him or her well. You felt like you didn't deal justly with the person. He says, and you remember that someone has something against you. And obviously, this remembrance is only <laughs> with the truth that the Holy Spirit reminds you. So if you are going to offer your sacrifice or your gift, and the Holy Spirit reminds you that your wife is angry at you, your husband is offended at you, your boss doesn't like something you did, your employer your colleague your friend he says leave your gift in front of the altar it's either we don't understand what this thing really means or is it as plain as he is saying it so imagine you go for sunday service and you remember <laughs> that your boss has an issue against you your boss gave you work to do and he wasn't impressed and he was highly disappointed in the quality of work he did and you felt like oh it is friday let me just walk off and go. And as you go to church on Sunday, you are offering your gift. And you remember that your boss has something against you. The words of Jesus are as clear as daylight. It says, leave your gift in front of the altar. First, go and reconcile to them. Then come and offer your gift. Very interesting words of Jesus, but they are very strange. And these are the words, I don't know how you want to interpret these words. I don't know what context these words apply to you. But remember what Jesus said in Luke 8.21. My mother and my brother is those that hear 
my words or the words of God and they do it. So you can look at the whole context, you can look at the, the immediate context, the historical context, the cultural context, you can look at it in any of the contexts you want to see. And whichever deduction the Holy Ghost gives you, the most important thing is that whatever the Holy Spirit through the scripture tells you, is for you to go and do it. So now let's go into what we are looking at tonight. We are still in Luke. If you noticed in last week's discussion, we are looking at, or we narrowed in on Luke chapter 5, and we were just perusing things Jesus said. And at the next week's episode, which will be our concluding episode of this earth, our concluding episode of this series, we put everything together. So now let's go to Luke chapter 8. We are continuing with the strange words of Jesus. And we are in Luke chapter 8, starting from the verse number 25. So we are just in Luke chapter 8 recently. So now we are going to the verse 25. It says, so that's after the verse 21, which we just read, to the verse 22. One day, Jesus said to his disciples, let us go to the other side of the lake. So they got into the boats and set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep very interesting jesus fell asleep as they were traveling jesus fell asleep we read and there came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger the disciples went so a squirrel came down the lake so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger verse 24 the disciples went and woke him saying master master we are going to drown he got up rebuked the wind and the raging waters the storm subsided and all was calm now look at the interesting statement jesus says he says where is your faith he asked his disciples in fear and amazement they asked one another who is this he even commands the winds and the waters and they obey him where is your faith where is your faith? A very strange statement Jesus is asking. Because remember, he said this to his disciples. He didn't say this to strangers. He didn't say this to people he just met. He said this to people that he had handpicked. People that they have seen him do miracles. This are, remember in Luke chapter 8 was when he performed the miracle of the centurion. When the centurion sent um his, his servants to tell Jesus that his servant is sick. And as Jesus was going, the servant sent another message that I am not worthy for you to come under my feet, but just speak your word these are people and just after that jesus went into a town and into a town called name and he raised the dead a widow was going to bury his son and jesus put his hand on the on the dead body on the coffin and that child came back to life these are people who have first-hand witness the power of god their first-hand mistakes the mighty and there's a storm coming and the storm was so boisterous. And the interesting thing is that Jesus was fast asleep. And Jesus, interestingly, he I don't know whether he intentionally pretended to still be asleep or he was truly asleep. But what we know is that it took his disciples to wake him up. And I like the way that the disciples woke him up. This is the way most of us respond when we are in the turbulence of life. We always go like, Master, care you not, care you not that we perish. And this is how most of us will respond. God, haven't you seen the pain I'm going through? God, haven't you seen I've not gotten a job for years I've finished school? God, haven't you seen I've not gotten a house, but haven't you seen that my mom's health is, is not in the best things? Lord, haven't you seen we are going to drown? We are perishing. Lord, haven't you seen I'm unable to live a decent life? The salary is not enough. The cares of this world is too much. Lord, haven't you seen? 
Your life may be described as a life that is troubled by on every side. And it looks as though Jesus is sleeping at the boat. Now they wake Jesus up and I like the statement he makes. A very strange statement. He says, where is your faith? And this is the strange question Jesus is asking you. Because these are people that have left everything to follow Jesus. So of course, their faith must have been in Jesus. These were people that were following this man. Where at his beck and call, from wherever he was going, they were following. They witnessed his miracles. But yet Jesus asked him, where is your faith? Because for many of us, we don't really know where our faith is. So for many of us, we are active in church. For many of us, we have been Christians for so many years. For many of us, we have been tithers, we have been fasters, we have been praying, we have been worshippers. But God is asking you, where is your faith? Because the way most of us respond when we are in the troubles of life, it gives an indication of a misplaced faith. It's a very strange statement because these are people who are forsaken all to follow Jesus. So you may have been a Christian for 20 years, since secondary school, since um, junior or primary school. You have been a Christian for years. You have been involved in missionary work. You are committed to the work of God. You are always making the effort to spend time in prayer and reading his word and listening to podcasts and doing all these things. But yet, the way you respond when the winds are blowing against your boat, Jesus asking you, where is your faith? Because it will surprise you that many of us, despite the fact that we are following Jesus, despite the fact that we will choose to identify ourselves as disciples of Jesus, our faith is not really in Jesus. A very strange statement. In this instant, a very strange question. Where is your faith? Because for many of us, especially Christians of today, (laughs) I don't like using this phrase, but for many of us, we have more faith in prayer than in the God who answers prayer. For many of us, we have more faith in exercising our muscles in spiritual activities than the God that we are exercising these spiritual muscles to. So therefore, many of us, we have the formula for God. We know that when we need this one, we just go and pay offering. And as though God is an ATM machine, we are putting in the right code. We expect God to respond. And in many instances, He will respond. But what happens when He doesn't respond? That is when we will know where your faith really is. Because for many of us, our faith is in religious activities. For many of us, our faith is in our pastor, is in our prophet, is in our man of God, is in our elder. But our faith is not in the person of Jesus. That is why Hebrews reminds us that looking unto Jesus, the man of the middle cross, because for many of us, we have more faith and more faith in prayer than in the God who is answering prayer. I've heard several times, I remember, I forgot to write that year I was, but someone was talking about, I think it was a leader, I don't remember, but I think I've shared it on the podcast before that. Somebody was saying, as for he or she, when somebody cheats him or her, or somebody tries to cheat, he has a particular psalms that when he prays that psalm, uh, in the particular psalm, I think it contains a lot of cases, as, as it were. It says, whenever you try to cheat him or her, and he takes that psalm, and he begins to pray that psalm for your own good, you just <laughs> repent of your decision. But our faith is not really in God. And it shows in the way we respond when circumstances are not going our way. You see the way so many of us are quick to get angry at God, quick to bail out of God, quick to look out for options. 
when things are not going our way. See the way many of us are easily tempted by offers from people when we are not getting a job. Oh, it has been a year, I've not gotten a job. What would this one act do? Oh, look at the way most of us, it's very easy for us to steal at work because we don't believe in the God who can bless you financially. Where is your faith? So you see many people who have been Christians for so long, but you find them stealing at work. You find them cheating their clients. You find them overpricing things. You find them cutting corners because their faith is not really in the God who can provide for them. They have no problem praying to this God. They have no problem giving offerings to this God. They have no problem occasionally going on evangelism, but they can't trust God for their finances. They can't trust God for their marital issues. They can't trust God for their husband, for their wife, for that health, for that healing. They can't trust God. That is why you interestingly see people in church, yet they visit other places for emblems, for beads, as a form of protection. And God is asking, where is really your faith? That's why sometimes God likes to shake our lives a bit. Because for many of us, our faith is in our parents. Our faith is in what our parents, the investment the parents have made. For some of us, we know that our father or our parents owns this company, has this money in an investment for you, in a college fund, or in, a, in, a, in an insurance for you. So you know you will never go poor in life. That is where many of us, your faith is. Your faith is in who your father or your mother is, but not really in God. So when things happen against your mother and your father, maybe God forbid, but your father loses his business or business goes very bad, then is where we will find out where your faith really is. Where is your faith? It's a very strange statement, but it's a statement that exposes the real state of our hearts. The next statement we want to look at is in the same Luke chapter 8, this time from the verse 48. So now Jesus goes to the other side and he meets the madman of Gadara and he heals the man. Now, a woman, he reads a dead girl and a sick woman. Now let's look at the verse 48. The verse 48. So somebody came to see Jesus about, I think Jairus, he came to see Jesus pleading that Jesus comes to his house and heals his daughter. And on his way is what we're about to read. So that's from verse 42, or let's start from verse 41. Then came a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. Verse 43. And a woman who was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. Mercy, mercy. She came behind him and touched the edge of his clock and immediately the bleeding stopped. Then verse 45. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against thee. But Jesus said, somebody touched me. I know that power has gone out of me. Verse 47. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Ah, there is power. There is power in this person called Jesus. Instantly healed. Verse 45. This is the strange statement Jesus is about to make. So verse 48, then Jesus said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. A very strange statement. 
very very strange statement so everybody's touching on jesus everybody's pressing jesus everybody's trying to take a selfie with jesus as we would have done in our days and one of those women said to herself if only i could touch the hem of his garment i would be healed and she also found a way and touched the hem of his of his garment and instantly he was healed and jesus saying that your faith has healed you power is available but very few are connected to power many of us go to church with burdens with infirmities and much many of us live with such infirmities and it's as though god is incapacitated or god has stopped moving but from this strange statement jesus is saying is that power is available the healing power of god is available the miraculous power of god is available the way making power of god is available but you are not connected by faith now listen faith starts and ends in jesus remember he is the author and the perfecter of our faith so to have faith is to express something in jesus faith is not confidence as somebody say faith is not vain but faith has something borders on the person of jesus that is why it's about doing what he Jesus says you do. So your faith is not doing what you feel good about or what you are hoping about or what you are you are being positive about. Faith is not positive thinking and positive mentality. Faith is responding to the person and the word of Jesus. So if you really believe that Jesus is a healer, Jesus is a way maker, miracle worker, when you come into his presence, you will be connected and you will receive your healing. So what Jesus is simply saying that the fact that you are around Jesus, the fact that you are touching Jesus, the fact that you are plugged into Jesus doesn't necessarily mean you will experience the power thereof. So it is your faith that will heal you. So Jesus in other words is saying that you determine the point of the time of your visitation because when jesus said it is finished he really meant it is finished what was finished the exchange was finished the price he came to pay was finished he suffered humiliation so that you will not be humiliated he was bruised so that we will be healed he was spat on disgrace so that we will be accepted he was rejected so that we will be accepted god turned his face against jesus so that he could turn his face towards us and when that exchange was accomplished on the cross he said the exchange is finished that is why in second corinthians he tells that he became sin who knew no sin so that we will become the righteousness of God we exchange our sin for the righteousness of God and when that exchange was done on the cross he said it is finished then he descended into the lower parts of the hell and he dealt with the one who kept us in bondage so the exchange is finished and Jesus is saying when you would experience literally this exchange in your life depends on when your faith can get you connected so there are many situations we are suffering this woman has been bleeding for 12 years if she had met Jesus earlier if she had demonstrated faith in Jesus earlier she would have been healed earlier i know sometimes we are looking at certain thorns in our flesh certain predicaments in our flesh certain torments we are going through and you are asking god when from god's word to us tonight is asking you when will you get connected in faith the fact that you are crowding me in church the fact that you are following me doesn't mean you are connected many of us really do not believe 
in the healing power of Jesus. Many of us do not really believe in the miracle power of Jesus. Many of us do not really believe in the life-changing power of Jesus. It is your faith that will get you healed. It is your faith that will open that door for you. It is your faith that will get you that promotion. It is your faith that will grant you access to the generosity of God. The power is available. He says, I know you know the grace of God that for your sake he became poor, that we, through his poverty, might become rich. The Bible says that, for it is I who gives you the power to make wealth. The power is available. When will you get connected by faith? When? When will you get connected? So obviously the people who are touching Jesus, the crowd that was following Jesus, almost every one of them had issues in their lives. But it was only one that was connected by faith to experience the generosity of Jesus. And he's asking you, for how long will you keep crying? For how long will you keep wailing? For how long will you keep blaming God? When are you going to get connected? When are you going to have that that encounter and say, Father, today is the day of my visitation. Today is the day of my healing. When are you going to get connected by faith? Because remember, it is your faith in Him that will heal you. He is more than He says, um, somebody came to Jesus and said, Master, are you willing that you will heal me? He says, of course I am willing. Of course I am willing. He said, remember Jesus got to people, you ask you, you can see a blind man. And Jesus asking the blind man, what do you want me to do? What else would a blind man want? Well, of course, it's not every blind man that wants healing. Because remember the man and the gate are beautiful. But you don't blame him. Because he didn't know about the power that Peter and John carried in the name of Jesus. So obviously you ask for arms. But Jesus is saying, when are you going to get connected? When are you see everybody needs a miracle? Not because we are sick, not because we are broken, but because our life can be better than it currently is. So that's why we need a healing. Unless you are operating at 100% efficiency, you need a miracle to move you to the next level. And that next level is access by faith. That next level is access by faith. When are you going to get connected by faith? When are you going to have that moment in your life where you say, Father, I believe in you for my healing. I believe in you for this job. I believe in you for this acceptance. You have been getting rejections upon rejection. But God is saying, when are you going to let faith turn your story around? It is your faith that will heal you. And the big part of this thing is that it was the woman's faith that will heal you. Many of us have outsourced our faith life to our pastors. It is your faith that will heal you, not your pastor's faith, not your mother's faith, not your friend's faith, not your church's faith, but it is your faith that will get you access, that will get you plugged in to the power. Of course, sometimes people are able to act on our behalf. So, for example, Jairus was acting on behalf of his daughter. So it wasn't necessarily the fact that the daughter had faith in Jesus, but it was in the truth that Jairus had faith on behalf of his daughter. But are you going to leave your destiny? Are you going to leave your open door in the hands of somebody else's faith? 
Many of us were relying on the faith of our pastors. But many of us, if we are going to take that endeavor and our pastor or our whoever doesn't pray for us, we are never confident in the God we are praying to unless that particular person prays for us. But he's saying that your faith, so what happens if that person dies? What happens if that person is not available? Is your life going to come at a standstill? That is why it is your responsibility to develop your faith. It is your responsibility to know how to get connected to power by your faith. It is your responsibility and it is your faith that will get you here. Your faith has healed you. The next statement you want to look at is in Luke, the same Luke, and just a few verses after. It says that while Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead. He said, don't bother the teacher anymore. And no wonder the person who brought this news, he saw Jesus as a teacher. So it is not surprising he will bring this news. Hearing this, that's also another Hopefully, we'll do a teaching on this as soon as the King James says, as soon as Jesus heard this, but is the enough. He says, hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, Don't be afraid, just believe, and she will be healed. <laughs> a strange statement. But let's read, then I'll come back to look at the statement. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anybody go with him except Peter, John, and James, and the father's child and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She is not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But he took her by the hand and said, Child, get up. Her spirit returned, and at once she stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were astonished, but he ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened. Power, power power so the next statement is that do not be afraid only believe and she will be healed you see the reason why we need faith is because of impossible situations so if the situation is not impossible you don't need faith you need wisdom so if it is possible for you to get that job for you to get that healing for you to get that breakthrough over 200 applying 200 people of equal academic qualification applying for that job applying for that scholarship applying for that opportunity is virtually an impossible battle meeting Goliath is an impossible and impossibilities is the reason why we need faith so if we meet Goliath and say ask for this one there is no need then you don't know what faith is Faith is needed for impossibility. And the strange statement Jesus is saying that faith can reverse every situation, every negative situation in your life. Faith can reverse it, including the bringing back of the dead. And I like the way the Bible clearly said that and they laughed at Jesus because faith will make you be laughed at when you look like doing a crazy thing. Can you imagine David going to face Goliath? Everybody was laughing, but nobody was laughing publicly because in their minds, they knew that Charlie, at least let him go and die. <laughs> we are making an effort because everybody who was there, all the soldiers, including King Saul, knew that Charlie, this Goliath guy, <laughs> there's nothing we can do. So even though everybody was rooting for David, hey, go David, go David, in their mind, they knew he was going for a mass slaughter. But that is why you need faith. Look at all the chaos going around, around marital chaos going around. But you need faith that your marriage will be sweet every day of your life. 
you need faith that you would enjoy rest in this world of restlessness. Look at what is going around in all the countries of the nations. You will hear of wars and rumors of war, disturbance everywhere in France, in in US, in the UK, everywhere disturbance. There's a particular um, because of by I think these algorithms of social media. I mostly get people in my field of work on social media, and I was just looking at one of them how they were complaining about salary. And this is the country we all want to go into. <laughs> Everybody wants to go to America. Everybody wants to go to Europe. And I saw people in my line of work because I follow them on social media just to get ideas. And they were complaining bitterly. Somebody said for the past ten years her salary has remained in the same. So this is making two thousand dollars for the past ten years. She has been in the same two thousand dollars range. And I'm like, hey, America, <laughs> your salary has been virtually the same for the past ten years. And I'm here also complaining. Ah. Everywhere there's unrest. The only reason why we would fancy America is because of the currency. Because we know when we convert it into ours, it's gold. <laughs> when we melt it, as a friend would say, and of course because the things they are more easier, as you see. But even they are complaining. So whilst we are complaining that our salary has not been increased, it has not been increased. Things are going up and going up. The people in America are also saying the same thing that for the past ten years. So you will need faith in this life. And you need faith because you are in an impossible situation. And a strange statement that Jesus is making is that every impossible situation can be reversed if you are not afraid and you believe. Ignore the mockers. Ignore those who are already willing. Ignore those who are laughing at you. These are the two things you must ignore: the willers and the laughers and the scoffers. There are people who will try and reinforce the deadness or the impossibility of the situation, and there are those who also mock at your attempt to reverse the situation. But the strange statement that Jesus is saying to you is that: don't be afraid. Only believe, and that impossible situation can be reversed. It's a strange statement, but it's a true statement. Every impossible situation can be reversed by the power of Jesus. That is why I love the the wife of the prophet. She went to the prophet and said that, "Oh, your servant, the prophet, is dead, and he has left us in serious debt. The only thing we have left is a small jar of oil. An impossible situation. An impossible situation." But faith steps in and faith says, go and borrow vessels as much as you can. Close your door, lock your door behind you and begin to pour the oil into the vessels. Faith turns impossibility into possibility. The people of Israel were so hungry that mothers had to start cooking their own children. And here comes the prophet who says, tomorrow by this time. So for example, in Ghana, fuel or petrol is around 12 cities. And I stand up and I go to the Jubilee House or National TV. And I say that tomorrow by this time, fuel will be sold for one Ghana city. <laughs> a letter. You can imagine how OPEC and transport unions, everybody would just make a mockery at me. And the Bible said, the man on whose arm the king leans on says, how would this be possible? That even if God, the windows of heaven should be opened, it's not going to be possible. And the prophet said that because of your statement, you will see, but you will not enjoy. Faith turns impossible economy into the best economy worldwide. A time came near Jerusalem and here we're going for war. 
and they needed water because they were sore to test and their animals. They said, is there not a prophet we can inquire? And the prophet says that you will not see any rain or dew, but dig trenches. The trenches will be full of water. Faith turns the impossible into possible. So if you are in a possible situation, go and look for wisdom. But if you consider your situation an impossible situation, what you need is faith. And the strange statement that Jesus is saying is that don't be afraid, only believe. And that impossible situation will be made possible. The last statement that we'll be looking at is in Luke chapter 18, the concluding statement, verse 8, and that's what you'll be praying. He says, I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. The B part is what we are looking at. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Because everything in this world is literally programmed to kill your faith. The news you get to on social media, on traditional media, is literally programmed to kill your faith. The agenda of the enemy is the same as it was in the garden. Did God really say? So every battle you are going to fight in life, it is going to challenge. Did God really say in your life? So if you say that my marriage will be blessed, my marriage will be full of joy. The agenda of the enemy is to say, hey, did God really say your marriage will be gentle, will be sweet? Look at your husband, look at your wife. Whenever you say, I am blessed on every side, then financial issues begin to rise up. The devil is simply asking you, did God really say he will bless you? So he's saying that after you go through this life, the battles and the wear and tear life will take you through. Will you still have faith? You know, it just occurred to me that when you see a man in his 60s, in his 70s, this man has seen a lot <laughs> in the sense that most or about half of this man's friends are dead. It just occurred to me that I think one day a big politician lost his life in our country and he was a very close friend with the president. And the president was there, and it just occurred to me that this guy on his journey to become president, he has had so many people who have believed in him and helped him to become president. And a good number of all those who contributed one way or another in him becoming president, they died of without enjoying the fruits of their labor. So he said, he's a man who has gone through many painful funerals. So when you see a man in his 70, about half of his classmates are dead. And it just becomes more real to you. You just become more faithless in this life because of the wear and tear in this life, because of the pain. That is why Ecclesiastes 12 was one tells us, remember your creator in the days of your youth, while the evil days have not yet come, nor the years draw nigh. Evil days are going to come, and the years are going to draw nigh, where you will say, I have no pleasure in death. So the Bible is asking you, when you are 70, will you still have faith? When you have been taken through the rudiments of the pain and the pressures and the stresses of this life, will you still have faith? When the Son of Man comes and you are 70 years old, 80 years old, will you still be praying? Will God find you still working in the house of God? Will you still be a tithe? Will you still be a giver? 
Will you still be a student of the word? That is the question that Jesus asks in you. When he comes, will you still find faith? Look at the way many people, their faith literally goes non-existent. When life becomes comfortable for them, when they have that cool job, they have that beautiful family, they have beautiful cars, they go on regular vacations, they can afford anything and everything they want in this life. Will you still have faith? When God comes, will you still find you fasting and praying as you are? When God comes, will you still find you listening to podcasts, looking in for the word of God, feeding yourself, building up your faith? When the Son of Man comes, will he still find faith on Will you find faith in your life? Or you may have gone through so much bitter experiences. That's why Apostle Paul said that I have fought the fight. Despite of the fights he has been running, I have run the race. That marathon of life, he still said, I have kept the faith. When you lose your spouse, will you still keep the faith? Just recently, I think yesterday, I, was just, I came across an interview of a spiritual instructor, a music minister, who was talking about the fact that he lost his father, who was a pastor, and he lost his wife. And this guy still has faith. So, wow. I'm asking myself, if it was me, will I still have faith? And God is asking you, when you lose everything like Job, will you still have faith? Or when life becomes comfortable for you like Solomon, will you still have faith? Will you still be found praying? Will you still be found giving? Will you still be found joyful? Will you still be found believing in God's word? Will you still be found preaching God's word? Will you still be found serving in the house of God? Will you still be found expressing your faith to Jesus when the Son of Man comes? And this is a strange statement that he's making because a lot of us, a lot of people start this faith life. Unfortunately, the fights of this world and the running of this life leaves people worn out and tired. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith? You want to just spend some time brooding over the strange words that Jesus has said. Where is your faith? Your faith has healed you. Don't be afraid, only believe she will be healed. And when the Son of Man comes, will he still find faith? We want to just spend some time in prayer. Jesus told Peter, the devil has asked to sweep you off as wheat, but I have prayed for you. He says, when thou art strengthened, or when thou art recovered, strengthen thy brethren. We want to pray into our future. That when the Son of Man comes, may he still find faith in us. Begin to speak to God. Tell God that, Lord, will you still find faith in me? The songwriter says that, Whatever my Lord, you have taught me to say, It is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. Praise to you tomorrow. That after you have fought the fight of life, after you have run the races of life, your faith will still be found. With my uncle, your uncle will still hold. Father, we pray into our tomorrow. May it never be said of us that we lost our faith. It may never be said that when you came, you did not find faith. Father, we pray for grace to make the necessary investments into our faith. In the name of Jesus, we pray for grace that we, beloved, will keep building up ourselves on our most holy faith. Praying in the Holy Ghost. We pray for grace that every day we'll be making the necessary investment, the necessary effort in building our faith because we know our faith is our gateway to access the power of God. We know it's our faith that will turn impossible situations into possibility. We know that he that draws back 
you have no more pleasure in them in them we pray in the name of jesus that our faith will may not fail may our faith never fail in the name of jesus we pray into our tomorrow lord that our faith will not fail in the name of our lord jesus we pray that you will still find us believing you will still find us praying you will still find us hoping you will still find us serving you will still find us giving you will still find us living the life of you you will still find us making efforts to obey your word in every aspect of our life in the name of our Lord father help us lord help us we ask for your help the bible says he who faints when he is alone or he who faints in the day of adversity strength is weak we pray that we will not faint in the evil day in the name of our lord jesus we pray that our faith will stand strong in the evil day in the name of our lord jesus we pray that our anchor will hold in the storms of life and we pray that our faith will be found in you and you alone we thank you for this opportunity of reminding us we thank you for your attention and grace that are ever true we pray lord keep us in you we know who we are believed and we are convinced we are able to keep that which you have entrusted into your care keep us in you keep us from falling in the name of our lord jesus amen amen wow wow strange statements of jesus and next week god will look at the last category there are a lot of in fact almost everything jesus said is strange because remember friendship with the world is enmity with god so for people in this world every statement is strange but we are looking for the strange among the strange. We are believing God that next week God will give us the grace. God will continue to speak to us. And we are believing most importantly that whatever we have heard him say, we will do it. Remember, we are still giving God our very best. And we are only one man nothing but love. See you next week and bye-bye.